chosen to be here with us. We have several of our young people and their parents who are gone. They have gone up to Exposure Youth Camp and are spending the weekend up there listening to lessons, and we appreciate the fact that they have the opportunity to do that. We are glad that you are here with us today. One thing that I want to mention this morning before we get into our lesson, and that is a sheet that many of you picked up out on the table in the four years you were coming in. Now, there were two that were out there. There was the calendar for January of 2019 and the events that are going on here, and we want you to have that. But we also want you to pick up one of the ones that says Sunday Night Sermons 2019. Now, those are not sermons that are set, but they are sermons that you can choose from. All of them, of course, being questioned. Our theme for the year is greatest questions ever asked. But you can choose at least five of those that you would like to hear. And we'll compile those and we'll try to pick out the most popular and address those questions as we go through the year. But please be sure to pick up one of those and you can hand them to me. You can lay them on the table out in the foyer and we'll be glad to collect them and, and get them in the right spot. But please be sure to pick up one of those if you haven't already done that this morning. It's the one that's titled Sunday Night Sermons 2019. There are 40 different questions that are listed and you have a place on the bottom just to write the number of the one that you would like, the ones that you would like. Please, if you find five that you would like to deal with, then uh, write those five numbers on the, on the bottom of that. And like I said, we'll compile those and we'll try to get those that are most popular and we'll deal with those throughout the year on Sunday night this, uh, this coming year. As we begin our lesson this morning, there's a man by the name of Mark uh, Atrog, and uh, he said that he had written, uh, started uh, reading three different books. The first one, he said, was The Holiness of God by R.C. Sproul. The second was The Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. And the third one was The Attributes of God by Stephen Charnock. And he said in reading those, he was absolutely blown away by a God with all of the infinite uh, uh, things that are associated with him. And so he said he got to thinking about it, and he said, I believe that I can write a song in dealing with this, and he said over a period of time, he sat down and he wrote these words. You are beautiful beyond description, too wonderful, too marvelous for words, too wonderful for comprehension, like nothing ever seen or heard. Who can grasp your infinite wisdom? Who can fathom the depth of your love, you're beautiful beyond description, majesty enthroned above. And I stand, I stand in awe of you. I stand, I stand in awe of you. Holy God, to whom all praise is due, I stand in awe of you. We want to think about that God this morning. And as we do that, I want to ask you about him this morning. Have, have you figured out God so much this morning that you could take him 
and that you could uh, take what you know about him, what you figured out about him, and, and as it were, box it up in a little box and, and put a nice little bow on it and sell that, in a sense, to me so that I would, I would know everything that I need to know about that God because you have that God all figured out in your life. You have God all figured out. You know everything there is to know about God or everything that you can know about God. Well, let me suggest to you this morning that if you have God that figured out in your life, if you have that God so much figured out, then you probably have the wrong God. As I think about the God of the Bible, I think about the one that I read about in Psalm 147, at verse number 5. The Bible says, Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The King James Version and the New King James both say it this way, His understanding is infinite. You will never figure Him out. I think about the God of Job 37 at verse number 5 where the Bible says, God thunders wondrously with His voice. He does great things that we cannot comprehend. You see, our God is uh, to understand Him completely is impossible. And He is the God of the impossible. When I think about the God of the Bible, I think about what I read in Psalm 145 at verse number 3. The Bible simply says, Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. And His greatness is unsearchable. As we think about that God, the God of the Bible is so much more than anything that we can even begin to think of and to comprehend. As a matter of fact, when we turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, as Derek read to us this morning, the Bible says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. As I look at that passage, I see three things that we want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about that God who is there, who is omnipotent. I want to talk about that God who is there, who is transcendent. And I want to talk about that God who is there, who is the God of providence. And so this morning, let's begin by thinking about the God of the Bible being omnipotent. When we think about omnipotent, we think about what is said in Genesis chapter 17 at verse number 1. The Bible says there, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. When we talk about omnipotence, we talk about one who is all-powerful, one who is almighty. In the book of Revelation, going to the other end of the Bible, in Revelation chapter 4, verse number 8, the Bible says the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within, and day and night, they never cease to say, Holy, 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 watch this, Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. You see, when we think about the God of the Bible, we think about a God who can do anything He chooses to do. He can do anything He chooses to do. Think about Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 again. 
Now to him who is able to do, able to do. When we think about that phrase, the word able, able, dynamite, dynamite, dynamo, dynamic. God is able. He has the power, more powerful than dynamite. But he's able to do. Uh, When we think about the word that's used there, it's said simply to be a prolonged form of an obsolete primary word, which means to make, to create. God is able to make things happen. God is able to make things happen. Now that's important to us, not just because of what He has done in the past, but it's important to us for what He can do for us even today, in the coming year, in 2019. When we think about God being able, there's a divine illustration of that found in the Old Testament. It'll, there are a lot of them, but there's one that I'd call your attention to this morning. It's found in the book of Ezekiel, a book that sometimes we don't do a lot of study from, but Ezekiel chapter 37, look with me at verse number 4. If you have your Bible, Ezekiel chapter 37 at verse number 4. Let's begin reading that passage together. The Bible simply says there, Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones. What bones are you talking about, Lord? He's he's talking to the prophet Ezekiel, and he tells him, he says, Prophesy over these bones. Well, what bones are you talking about? Go back to verse number 1. Verse number 1, the Bible simply says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley... It was full of bones. And he led me around and among them, as it were, he said, don't step on that one. Watch it, be careful. He led me around and about them. The Bible goes on and says, And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. They'd been there for a long time. Uh, All of the flesh had already decayed and now the bone had been there, sun bleached as it were, dry. We've seen bones like that along the way of of animals and other things that have passed away. And, And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? Can these bones live? And Ezekiel says, I answered, Oh, Lord God, you know. Yes, God knows whether they could or whether they couldn't. And so that brings us back to Ezekiel 37 at verse 4 where God said, Prophesy over these bones. Well, if you drop on down to verse number 5, the Bible says, Thus says the Lord God to these bones. You see, Ezekiel begins to do what God tells him to to do. He begins to prophesy over the bones. Thus says the Lord to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord." Verse 7, 
So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a sound. And behold, a rattling thing, the standard version says, and the bones came together. All 206 bones in an adult body began to separate from the rest of those bones that were there and come back together and to join themselves end to end, fingers to the hand, hand to the wrist, wrist to the elbow, and so forth. They began to join themselves together. Look at verse 8. Verse 8, And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them. Sounds like a movie, doesn't it? You know, sometimes you think about these, these horror movies or these, these action movies and you see events like this, but Ezekiel wasn't seeing a movie. He was seeing what God could do. He said the sinews on them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Think about the human body. 4,000 tendons had begun to grow over those bones, as is found in the human body. 900 ligaments, 650 muscles, and on the average person, about 22 square feet of skin. And they all began to go on these bones. Verse 9, Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. You see, the bones had come together, and the sinews had formed over them, and the skin had come back, but they were still lying dead on the ground. And God said to Ezekiel, prophesy about the breath. Call the breath in, if you will, that it might come upon them. Verse 10, so I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. You see, from a valley with bones that were strewn all over it, to an exceeding great army ready to fight for their God. Who did that? Was it Ezekiel? Was it his preaching? No. It was God Almighty. God did that. Jesus said in Matthew 19 at verse 26, With God all things are possible. When you go on down in the book of Ezekiel chapter 37, beginning at verse 21 and following through that, uh, several passages there, verses there, you see God will take His people Israel. He's prophesying of the new Israel. prophesying of the church. And from the nations, He would call them and make them live again. He's talking about us, you and me, those of us who are part of His body, a part of His church. You see, God is a God who can do anything He chooses to do. He is omnipotent. But not only that, as we think about this God that we read about in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, the God of the Bible is also transcendent. Transcendent. 
You know, we might simply define that as being separated from and elevated above His creation. In the book of Revelation, again, chapter 4, verse number 8, the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, they began to say, uh, they never ceased to say, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. You see, it would be equally as uh, valid to translate that separate, 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 Lord God Almighty, because the word holy is also the word separate, separated from. The God of the Bible is not just our buddy. The God of the Bible is not just a, a friend with whom we have a good time. The God of the Bible is not our exercise partner that we jog through life with. He is separate, transcendent. Isaiah chapter 57 verse 15 says it this way, For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in a high and holy place and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. You see, God is transcendent. He is separate from and far above His creation. Now notice again Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to Him who is able to do, English standard, far more abundantly. If you're reading from the King James, exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that is within us. Notice how far above us, how separated from us this God of the Bible truly is. He is able to do far more abundantly. In illustration of that, go back to the Old Testament, Psalm 19. Psalm 19. And look at verses 1 through 4. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, their words to the end of the world. In them He has set a tent for the sun. The psalmist there describing the God. If you go all the way back to Genesis 1 verse 1, we're reminded of that same God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The psalmist there said that uh, the heavens declare the glory of God. You see, God speaking a universe into existence is evidence of His transcendence. Think about the universe, the observable universe. The observable universe is what, is what we're capable of seeing. And, and that universe is estimated by scientists to be 46 billion light years across. 
You know, my mind has a hard time with that. Forty-six billion light years across. A light year, of course, is the distance that light travels in a year. But light travels at the speed of 186,282 miles per second. As you think about that, in the time it took me to snap my fingers three times, light traveled around the equator 7.5 times. The equator being some 24,000 miles. In one year, light travels some 6 trillion miles. That is equivalent to about 32,258 round trips from the earth to the sun and back. Six trillion miles times 46 billion years. And if you travel from one end to the other for 46 billion years at the speed of light, you still wouldn't be to the end because God has created an ever-expanding universe and that's just the part of it that we can see you see God is above separated from anything associated with me anything that I can even begin to imagine in my own life and then the psalmist says, and the sky, the sky proclaims his handiwork. Do you realize the earth's atmosphere has layers, sort of like an, like an onion? You've got the troposphere where the birds and the commercial aircraft fly. You've got the stratosphere where things like spy planes fly. You've got the mesosphere where the meteorites burn up. The thermosphere where the satellites that we've sent up orbit. The exosphere which is about 6,200 miles thick and touches outer space. God has made it so that we can survive on this earth because of the atmosphere, all of the things that He has put together, the sky, as the psalmist calls it. Could you have figured that out? Oh, never in a million years. And then he, the psalmist says, He has set a tent for the sun. Put it in its place, gave it a place to... To, hide, to, to live. And, and as we think about the universe and, and everything that's associated with it, our sun is small in comparison to some of the other stars, quote unquote. But who did that? Who thought of that? God did. God did. You know, I can get on my knees and pray to a God who is omnipotent. 
do anything He chooses. But I'm also coming before a God who has spoken this universe into existence. And if He can do all this, all that He has done with this vast universe, don't you think He can do something with my life and your life? But not only that, the God of the Bible is the God of providence. When we look at the word providence, we see one who is providing for us, providing for me. Think about again Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask, that's what I pray for, or think, that's what I'm pondering, according to the power that works Within us. You see, God can do anything I set my mind on doing. God can make my dream become a reality. He can answer any request that I make of Him, and of course, I understand and I know that He functions only within the parameters of His will. But, good friends, I want you to think about this morning. Have we so limited God in our minds that we have rendered Him ineffective? This God who is omnipotent, who is transcendent, but who works on our behalf and works through His nature and works through us. Have we limited Him? I believe our God is so much more. You see, when I pray, I set providence in motion. That's what happens. Think of Job in Job 5, verses 8 and 9. Job said, As for me, I would seek God. And to God would I commit my cause who does great things and unsearchable, marvelous things without number. What is God able to do? Romans 4 verse 21, Paul speaks about being fully convinced that God was able to do what He has promised. In Romans 16 verse 25, again, Paul speaks about Him who is able to strengthen you according to your gospel, His gospel. 2 Corinthians 2 or 9 Verses 8 and 9, and to God who is able to make all grace abound to you. That passage is talking about them giving. And he makes it possible. The Bible is teaching in the Romans, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 8 and 9, he makes it possible for us to give. And to give. And to give more. He is able to make His grace abound to us so that we can indeed do that. In Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, the Bible says, Consequently, He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to Him, or to God through Him, since He always lives to make intercession for them. You see, God made it possible for us to have salvation, to hear His Word, to be able to read it, to live in a time when it's so readily available, 
to be able to communicate, to be able to do all the things necessary to know what He expects of us. He is a God of providence. But I'd call your attention again to the book of Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. To Him who is able to do above far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within Him. To Him. Be glory. Where at? In the church. If I'm making God fit into my box, I want you to know my box is too small and my God is too small. If I put Him in my box, I don't have a big enough box, but if I get Him in there, because my box is small, my God is small. I really shouldn't do that. One of the things that I believe that we learn about this God who is the God of so much more is that it is truly a shame and a disgrace to God for elders of the Lord's church to only lead a congregation to do what we can do. I realize that's a powerful statement. But I've just talked to you this morning about a God who is so much more. You see, what we do is when we're trying to limit God in that way, when, when, when we plan work that only we can do, we're putting God in a box. But it's also this morning a shame and a disgrace to God for members of the Lord's church to limit their work to what we can do. You see, we're putting God in a box. What we need to be doing is allowing ourselves to be used by the God of the Bible. The omnipotent, transcendent God of providence. The God of so much more. To use us to do so much more. As we approach 2019, are we going to serve God and bring glory to Him in this, His church? It's a serious question, isn't it? A serious question about a God that we read about in the Bible. His church 
If we just limp along under our own power, keeping God in our box, hidden from the world, unglorified by our actions, what will we do when we stand before Him? Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. That wasn't just the first century. It wasn't just when Peter and Paul and the other apostles were here. It wasn't just in, in the 1950s when, when the church was growing and, and people were being converted to, to the gospel of Christ. To all generations, that's your generation and mine. The time to decide is now. If we're going to glorify God in our generation in this coming year, we've got to set our mind to it now. You see, when I read Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, I know what it says. I've quoted it this morning. You've listened to it. You've even read it from your own copy of God's Word, haven't you? But you see, I know what God wants and I know what God expects. But the question is, will we let Him out of the box? <clears throat> to Him be blank. You see, we determine that when we decide to let this God of so much more work through His providence, through His people, through His Word in our world. Where will we put Him in 2019? Will we display Him? Display the God of the Bible? Or will we just make Him our God? My little toy God. My little God that listens to me, who does what I says, who stays in his box. Which God will you serve? To him be glory in the church, in Christ Jesus, throughout this coming year. The God of so much more. Maybe this morning that you need to make that God your God by putting your Lord on in baptism. It may be that you need to get your life right with that God this morning. Whatever the case may be, if we can assist you in any way, why don't you come right now as together we stand.